Welcome to Focused on Forward. The purpose of this podcast is to focus on recovery from life situations, be it a disease, chronic or acute, perhaps the loss of someone so dear to you in death, or a change of life patterns that has affected you so profoundly that you have no choice but to find your new normal and become focused on moving forward. Each episode is designed to show the positivity that people bring to each and every one of their stories, the successes they've had, ways that they have become so definitively focused on moving forward. We look forward to sharing their stories, and we hope that they inspire you just as much as they have inspired us. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Good afternoon, and welcome to Focused on Forward. I have the pleasure today of speaking with Will Wilson, and Will is a really cool guy that I've uh, recently had the pleasure of getting to know a little bit, and uh, excited to hear his story. Now, Will is an up-and-coming actor. He comes out of the, the great state of Oklahoma, and he's got a kind of a cool story of, of some challenges and some life lessons that he's learned, and so we're excited to hear Will's story and uh, see what not only he's learned out of his life, but how we can take that and make some use out of the cool things that he has to tell us today. So, Will, thank you for being on the show, and we look forward to your story. Tim, it's great to be here, man. Great to spend time with you, sharing stories. Yeah, absolutely. One of my favorite pastors. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, so, uh, yeah, whenever you're ready, go ahead and tell us the story of Will Wilson. Well, it was a cold, dreary day in Lower East Side, London, England. No, I'm joking. I don't. <laughs> I was born. In, I was born in a hospital in Perry, Iowa, for crying out loud. And uh, why? Well, there wasn't a whole lot to tell uh, about my youth, uh, except that it was free range mostly. Uh, <laughs> my dad was a truck driver, and uh, we moved around all the time um we ended up i think it wasn't until my high school years really that was spent more than three years in the same place more than two years i believe in the same place and um so growing up moving around a lot i wasn't really feeling too secure about my surroundings and uh, having to uh change uh, geographic locations cultures um Heck, sometimes languages, some places I was at. Uh, I never really picked any of them up very much because, you know, I'm lazy minded. <laughs> at least I was back then. <laughs> but uh, it was interesting. We were poor, didn't have a whole lot of money. Um, dad, he was a pretty good dad when he was around. We went around very much. Mom, uh, she had her challenges and uh, that led to other challenges. And uh, as a result, it led to uh, me having a sharp disagreement with my stepfather, my mother's husband, when I was 15. And I ended up, uh, he and I got into some fisticuffs. And I left the house that day. Uh, I was 15 years old. Left the house that day and never went back. Went out on my own. And... Uh, Went to school full time, had two jobs after school, before school, football practice. I was an athlete. Uh, I was going to play college ball, but uh, my coach and I got into an altercation as well because he accused me of using steroids. And I remember 
I was so mad. I'm like, I'm poor as all get out. I work two jobs. I go to school. I pay rent. I take care of myself. And uh, you're telling me I'm buying steroids. I, quite honestly, at, what was I, 17, 18? I didn't even know what the hell steroids were, really. <laughs> I was just always working. Uh, I worked all the time. I got my first job after school at 12 years old, bailing hay, throwing bales heavier than I was. I went from this uh, pretty solid uh, stringy kid to this really solid muscle kid over you know course of a couple of summers. Actually, that one summer, I got pretty big pretty fast. <laughs> So things started changing for me. People started taking notice. Uh, my attitude wasn't the best. So, you know, older fellows I hung out with, take it as a challenge with some my responses the way I spoke to them. So needless to say, I didn't really have much of a father figure. So I spent a lot of my time hanging around with the old timers and farmers and ranchers. We either hang out at the bars my mom worked out as a barmaid. Uh, and I'd play poker with the old timers. You know, the old the old farmer, retired farmer, just sitting down there playing poker, maybe throwing their pennies or nickels and their quarters in the pot. And before long, you know, I was sitting down with them there teaching me how to play poker. And um, after a short while, um, I started winning all the time, so they quit letting me play. <laughs> so I, I didn't get to play poker. They weren't taking their wins. Um, right. But I guess it helped my mom with tips having me there because I kept the guys engaged and kept them laughing. And I just liked sitting at the feet of the old timers, listening to their stories. I didn't really have much direction, so I would just stylize my own upbringing to that. And my mom wasn't really bringing me up very well, and my dad was never around. So I was basically on my own, looking for any father figure I could find. Didn't take me long to realize, though, there wasn't a whole lot to choose from out there. <laughs> so I just left that alone started doing my own thing and uh ended up uh instead of going to college and playing football because of the altercation with my coach and up going to the army i spent a couple of years of a four-year stint in there um i got asked to leave a little bit early because i had this propensity to get into fights when i went anywhere so my chip on my shoulder still had to be knocked off at that point. And after a couple of years, got out of the army and inadvertently started a family, had a daughter with my high school sweetheart. And uh, her and I had a tempestuous relationship. She wasn't the most um, reliable person. And quite honestly, I probably wasn't either back then either. I was a pretty big mess myself. Um, I didn't get much of a childhood, so I spent a lot of my time just doing whatever the hell we wanted. It usually involved drinking. So I was drinking and being stupid. And um, But uh, my daughter and her mother's care got injured. I tried to get custody and couldn't. Um, little did I know was that I was saddled with the stigma of being male at that point in time. And, the traditional history of America. And it was frowned upon for single fathers to be around. And um, I don't know, I just, it just didn't go well. And so <clears throat> I spent, I don't know, from that moment on, moving around a lot myself, becoming a gypsy of my own. When we got out of the army, I just bounced around and ended up settling in Oklahoma. 
and I've been in Oklahoma since I think the fall of 92 or 93, one of the two, it's been a minute, and um, haven't left, fell in love. Some great people here, um, and it's centrally located in the U.S., so if I want to take a trip anywhere, it's a nice little road trip, Cali, Washington State, Florida, wherever, almost the same distance. Um, or fly if I want to fly anywhere, or take a bus, man. I can just hop on a plane to New York and be back follow Monday, you know. Just did my thing. But here at that time, man, there, I had moments, times where I was homeless, jobless, and homeless, uh, going without eating for a long time, um, never really having anybody to fall back on, nobody I can call on. Um, I've always been pretty self-reliant uh, and what, and uh, there's just difficult times I've gotten through solely because of friends I've uh, gained through life. Um, I've got uh, a lot of people say they have a lot of friends. and I can't honestly say that, you know, I, I hold my uh, stable of friends down to probably less than a handful. And uh, if I was able to lay them all out, I'm just real. Um, particular about uh, who I pull in close because I've been hurt so much in my life uh, of people I've trusted abusing that trust uh, between a mom that would let her husband abuse my siblings and I or abuse her or whatever or a dad that was never around or get into a fight every time I turned around and get into trouble with the law. Funny thing was every time I got in trouble with the law I wasn't doing really anything wrong. I was defending myself or somebody else. I was just too good at it. <laughs> it got me into trouble. <laughs> yeah, I get that. And I understand about keeping a low count of friends. I think I think with anybody who has had experience of um, loss of friends or family members, whether it's by, you know, uh, illness or if it's in the case of what you're describing where there's there's something that causes that separation, I think it's 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 harder to allow people in, to be you know. And speaking from my own case, I have I have a lot of associates, but I have a few that I think I consider my my close my close close friends, people that I could feel like I could tell anything or that I could trust implicitly. And I think that's because you know there's you know um, and as I told my wife years ago that I'm not a very trusting person. It takes a while for me to be able to trust somebody uh, because of you know life scenarios. Right. Absolutely. Well, during all this stuff, you know, I would lose myself in movies. I'd go to the theater by myself. I'd just get in front of a television, pick a program, some programming that I would write down my genre or my theme for the time. And I'd just dive into it. And I wouldn't watch movies like I noticed other people watch movies. Like, oh, that's funny. I would watch movies and try to figure out where that actor drew that line from and how they are delivered delivered in that manner i mean what do you draw that from where do you put that how do you put that you know i wonder about what was the conversation him and the director had or she and the director had just before that scene how many times do you have to take that scene because i don't know like you know i was always dissecting movie roles is because um you know there are characters on the screen that inspired me you know john wayne charlie bronson clint eastwood um uh oh my gosh gene hackman you know great actors in their own right great yeah talent. phenomenal 
and um, I'm watching these guys work, and I'm like, then then all of a sudden Al Pacino comes along and I see The Godfather, and I'm like, holy crap, you know, and Robert De Niro, all these guys that just iconic for their time, and you know, their start out in movies really isn't dissimilar to anybody else who started out in movies. They just had a, a, a dynamic, focused impact. And um, I thought, well, why can't I do that? You know, I'm from Iowa. And why can't I tell a story? Why can't I become a master storyteller like these guys? You know, I want to be able to tell stories that inspire people to, you know, keep picking themselves up, dusting themselves off and moving forward. That's basically all I did every day. I'd get up every morning and feel like, you know, it's me versus the world, you know, not in a negative way, but all right, one more day of this. Let's see if we can get out of it today, you know, and always finding that one thing that that keeps um, the bellows burning, I should say, keeps the fire in the belly going. And uh, it's gotten to the point now where it's, it's habit. I'm, uh, you know, facing adversity of any on any level, it just makes me dig in. It, it doesn't make me even think about sitting down, resting, giving up, or whatever. So I've got stuff to do. I've got places to go, and uh, I've got stories to tell. And uh, so my model has always been, even from a young age, even before I joined the army, and figured out where this model came from. You know, keep moving forward. It's a it's a ranger motto. Keep moving forward. You know, and uh, rangers lead the way. You know. Yep. Yeah, I've heard I that before. Airborne Ranger option, and uh, I uh, was tasked, you know, tapped to go there, and then they changed cycles around, and promised me my cycle would come through, and they lied to me, which 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 contributed directly to my bad attitude in the army, because I mean, I signed up for something specific, and you guys lied to me, and well, my attitude is going to turn south. Right. Now was well, you were. Challenge my CEOs, I challenged my NCOs, challenged my pizza two leaders. Uh, I was quite challenging. Uh, I never had a problem uh, with confrontation. <laughs> my problem uh, was probably uh, multiplied by the fact that I did choose to trust, and this is what I this is what my trust got me, and I was pretty upset. So <laughs> I didn't handle myself the best. I wasn't very nice. I didn't take direction very well. I was an outstanding soldier on you know paper, but when it came to <laughs> taking direction from some of these guys, I was like, you know, I don't think so, Sergeant. <laughs> so it just wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't a good mix. Okay. But uh, the experience I've carried it with me for a lifetime. I had some uh, met some great people, um, great contacts. Um, lost touch with all of those over the years, but. I still build relationships with people to this day. And Armor on my last last film I was on out of exile, Matt Moulton, he's a former tier one operator. And we got a talking shop and he's from just after the time I was in and out. And uh, just hearing his stories. I mean, he just recently over the past few years retired himself from that type of living. And uh, just listening to his stories just brings back memories. And we hit it off. I mean, there's, there's a, there's a brotherhood there, uh, no matter what uh, walk of life you come from or what branch of service you're in, there's something there. Everybody's adversity, everybody's got their own story, everybody's got their own challenges, everybody's got their own successes, everybody's got their own failures, uh, yet they all carry the same thing, man. Uh, we pick ourselves up, 
dust ourselves off, set our teeth, and just keep moving forward. And yeah. so uh, one thing that I've been fortunate, I guess, in that regard of my development as a human being is that uh, I won't be told what I can't do. You know, I'll decide what I can and can't do. And um, by God, it's been a winning formula ever since. <laughs> I, just, I just have fun. Um, but through, and this is just a light glazing over everything. We, at some point, you know, in the future, we ever talk more, uh, I'll probably get a little bit more detail on some of these stories. But um, yeah, it was a pretty rough growing up, not having any money, uh, being ashamed of being on food stamps, wanting to get a job at a young age because I was so ashamed of it, and working my fingers to the bone, coming home exhausted. I remember coming home. I go to work before school, sometimes work and hunting. I go to work before school, go to school, and then, well, go to work before school, and then I work out before school at school, and then I go to school, then I work out after school, then I go to work, my job, work out after school, do my football practice, then do my job, then come home and sleep. <laughs> I, I wore a, a groove in the couch, man. There's it's just like a well-shaped groove in that couch. I just inserted myself in between the back cushion and the seat cushion and just wedged myself in there and made sure my head was in tight so I didn't hear anything, I didn't see anything, and I was out. I was like a snoring log there for however long they could put up with me laying on the couches. I was tired. I didn't I didn't know what it was not to be tired. I guess most of my life as a result, because I've always been busy. So, well, let me ask you this: so you, you you've gone through all these these separate events in life. They're all kind of interwoven. Clearly, um, there's some there's some things that that tie them all together. But where was the turning point for you? Because there has to be a turning point in everybody's story where they go, you know what? I want to do this differently. You talked about, you know, going to the movies and seeing all these things. What, when did you get to the turning point where you said, this is how I'm going to make this a reality? Well, that's a great question, Tim. <laughs> uh, I'd be happy to answer it. Um, so going through this, I, you know, got married, had a child, divorced. I ended up being married and divorced several times. Um. Uh, Cause I wanted to be that father figure, the, the dad. I wanted to be the nuclear family. You know, I'm a nuclear family. I'll be able to have a normal life. Well, I, didn't, I wasn't thinking too clearly back then, apparently, because that's not what makes a normal life. You know, it's, it's getting to know yourself and um, uh, giving to your surroundings and giving to people in your lives that helps make a life. You don't have to be married and have kids, but I'm glad that I did. You know, it was great experiences. I've got wonderful children as a result of it. But I wanted to raise my families first because um, I did end up meeting people in the movie industry and talking to them about what it takes and the work and the effort, the time, money. And uh, I just honestly didn't have the time or the money to focus on it or anything like that. So I just waited and waited and waited and waited until my kids were grown. Now they're to a point where I've got a senior and a junior in high school. They're pretty self-sufficient. They're excited about dad's movie career because dad's been doing it for four years. And so I guess the turning point for me was when my kids got to the point where they were fairly self-sufficient, I'd get them to 
I guess the raisin that I thought I, that I thought they needed. Um, I decided to do go out on this little venture, and uh, I'll tell you, I took my first acting class at the Actor Factory like four years ago, probably around this time, four years ago, uh, if I remember right, and it was acting for the camera, I believe, with Daryl Cox at the Actor Factory. I'll tell you, I was so inspired, having so much fun. I was sitting here with real working actors doing some acting classes. I was learning some technique. I was learning some uh, um, uh, terms for behind the camera, in front of the camera, technical terms, crew terms. I was just having fun. I was, you know, doing a scene study every week, at least one scene study, sometimes two or three scene studies a week. Then I did my first audition and, you know, I, I guess I, what helped, I guess, I don't let my fire get dampened, but it can be uh, from time to time. Uh, it's just weird to me because every audition I had for like, I don't know, three or four auditions, I nailed it and I got the job. And I, I kept being told, like, nobody does that. You don't get every one. And I'm like, well, I'm really having fun. And I hope this lasts. And it didn't last long, but by God, that little streak tree didn't feel good. You know? And, uh, sure. Um, uh, but I ended up getting more and more work. And I got, a, you know, I got an agent almost right away. Uh, I was being told by casting directors and uh, other uh, actors, directors and producers, hey, you've got a look and you've got a delivery that nobody else has. So, and you're right in that niche. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to strike while the iron's hot. <laughs> I just, I'm just doing everything yeah. I can to make a positive impression because <clears throat> ultimately I got into this because I want people to real, I want to be able to send a message to people through my storytelling about uh, just the indomitable human spirit. There's a, there's a poem uh, called Invictus. I can't remember the poet's name. It's a very powerful poem about uh, the challenges that a man, woman, person can face in their lives. And they can choose a path of defeat, or they can choose to be the indomitable spirit that God himself has ordained us with. I mean, um, we need to own that, not be victims and not be defeated. Even if we lose the battle, it doesn't mean the war is over. You just pick yourself up and go to the next battle. So uh, I've had a lot of disappointments in my life. Most of my disappointments in my life come from my own actions. <laughs> That's obviously something I can learn from. Um, but I've had a lot of triumphs in my life due to those disappointments in my life, too. I mean, I wouldn't be here today. I, man, there was a point in time in my life I thought, I was, there's no way I was going to live past 23. None. There's no way. And I come back from the Army and walk through the grocery store and somebody saw me and it looked like she saw a ghost, and I asked her what was going on. She's my mom's best friend. And she's like, well, I, th I heard you were dead. I'm like, well, holy crap, what'd I do? <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was a pretty wild one. But uh, yeah, I thought I was going to be dead at 23, and here I am, father of four, married more than once over. Um, finally got it right with the last ex-wife. You know, her and I literally raised our kids apart but together. She's a good woman, great mom. Uh, she's wonderful to her kids and lets nothing stand in the way of that, which is amazing because she's got some challenges of her own in her life. We help okay. each other out. 
Good. And uh, but this uh, this whole change to uh, get into the movies, I something I've always wanted to do. So I finally found that niche, that opportunity. And my last wife, you know, we got together. And I said, "Listen, I really want to do this thing. How do you feel about this?" Because I'm telling you right now, it's going to be time consuming. It's going to be energy consuming. It's going to it's going to mess with us a little bit. She's like, "Oh, do it." You know, so I was, had a lot of support up front, but that brought its own challenges. I'd never juggled this type of career path, plus a career, plus a family, and a new marriage and kids at the same time. So, needless to say, I, I dropped the dropped the juggle balls quite a few times, and um, ended up uh, losing that marriage. I mean, that marriage ended up being dissolved, and um, learned from that one. So I just, I've learned from everything that I've done, good or bad. And uh, I think that I've accumulated enough wisdom and knowledge not to repeat most of it. <laughs> but uh, I just want to be able to tell stories, man, tell great stories and inspire people and uh, help people connect with their own indomitable human nature. That one indefatigable part of them that won't ever be defeated. Doesn't matter how many times it's beaten. Doesn't matter how many times something's dropped on it. Doesn't matter how many times it's stumbled and fallen. Just gets up, moves forward. And I've seen that in action through myself and many other people in my life. You'd be amazed at how much damage a human spirit, let alone a human body, can take and still keep performing. No, great. I like that. Okay. So now you mentioned earlier that you know there was some issues in your youth, and you called yourself a free-range youth. Uh, that there was a lack of a father figure. Now, growing up and, and becoming a father yourself, how did that affect your parenting? Your being, a, your desire to be a father? Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's a great question. I wanted to be, I, I'm not saying my dad wasn't a good dad. Uh, he was a great person. He just wasn't available all the time. Um, so my relationship with my dad was more like uh, buds and father and son. Um, when I got older, you know, of legal age, hangout age, I'm the only one of his kids that my dad would go and have a drink with because I was the only one that he felt he could trust to be around with him, which was an honor to me. But I mean, I would have rather had, you know, times throwing a football or, you know, going to a football game together or whatever. But um, uh, with uh, my kids, man, I grew up, I brought my kids up. To, I would never discipline them out of anger ever. If if they got if because I, I I saw I caught so many backhands, I caught so many wires, so many whatever could be reached at and thrown at me. I caught so many of those <laughs> that torqued me off as a What the hell, man? I'm a kid. <laughs> Understood. But uh, uh, I didn't want to do that to my kids. And I also didn't want to, you know, lose my temper around my kids. So I made it a point not to lose my temper around my kids. If they ever did need discipline, you know, I'd always talk to them like an adult. I would never talk to my children like they were children. And uh, I only had, as a result of my parenting style, I only had to spank my youngest son. I had to spank my oldest son once, my oldest daughter never, my youngest son twice and my youngest daughter once and each discipline moment we sat down and talked about it before the discipline took place and uh, asked him what brought him there 
you know, what they were thinking or you know, what was on their mind, you know, moving forward, what are they going to like? I mean, we just talked about it. And so listen, I got to make sure this lesson sticks. I want to do some physical reinforcement. <laughs> so, we, they got their spankings, but we sat down right afterwards and after I, after they calmed down, I'd hug them and tell them I love them. You know, I, I don't want anything to come between, between that. So I never, I wasn't, I believe in discipline because, you know, God himself says we're charged with it. We need to, we need to keep our kids on the path. I don't look at my life as religious at all. I'm a spiritual person and I teach my kids to be spiritual and, uh, Spirituality to me is all about human connectivity and uh, uh, walking around, uh, trying to connect with people at a heart-to-heart level instead of simply intellectual. Because we get to intellectual, we're quick. We're quick as human beings to go to the surfacey acquaintance-type friendship or or discussion. Nobody wants to get deep. They don't want to say the harsh things or the hard things or difficult things. And uh, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, script I'm a film I'm on now, Second Chances, uh, Rick Galvin film. Uh, he, uh, there's a the character I'm playing has a pretty similar um, outlook, and he's he's about vibes, man. You can't fake a vibe. I mean, you can't fake the truth when you when you pick up a vibe from somebody. That's so true. You either feel it or you don't. That's true. And uh, so, just fall back on those vibes. And I, my my intuition grew as I was growing too. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty intuitive person, but I had to put that to the test a lot of times because I was out on my own. Uh, I didn't have anybody to rely on. A lot of people trying to take advantage of me. And, um, I would literally put myself in situations where I was just working all the time just to avoid staying out of trouble <laughs> because by God, I would find it where <laughs> it would find me. I just, just wrong place, wrong time. <laughs> but, uh, Understood. Yeah, I've had some... Uh, challenging moments but um and there were man there were times that uh, i thought some of the harshest worst things about myself uh only to find out that uh you know something else in the back of my head has been lying to me and it's true anytime you hear that coming out of the back of your head it's not you that's not your spirit talking i mean that's, no, that's your spirit of self-doubt that's what that is that's not the way we're built. We're built to we're built to overcome. I mean, there's a reason that our bodies improve with work. There's a reason that our minds improve with exercise. We're supposed to be challenged. We're supposed to throw so all those moments of, of squirming, itching, preening doubt that's scratched at me in my lifetime has gotten rebuffed in a major way, either by being ignored, uh, viciously ignored, or by being viciously confronted. Um, by my true self, which is it's indomitable. You can't you can't stop this, and uh, it goes where I choose to go. And uh, right now, I choose to go to the place where I can tell stories and make people happy, and try to bring humanity together through some of the storylines that we have coming out. Because human history is fixing to change, ladies and gentlemen. The history that we know and love and think is true to this day, over the past hundred and probably twenty years. It's vastly different from the actual history that we, we've been subjected to that we're not being told about. There's a lot more opportunity to tell a lot more stories now. And once these stories come to light and uh, the truth is, is, is shed on uh, all the hidden things that have been going on in our government, our country, other governments, other countries around the world, 
there's going to be a huge shift in storytelling. There's going to be a, a major need for good storytellers. Uh, this is, like I said, this is the beginning of a great journey. I've only been doing this for four years. Um, this is the fourth year now, I believe. And I've had a blast, and it's been improving every day since. Because you never say quit, never say die. Um, get the opportunity to work with awesome people. Having the opportunity, not knowing, not feeding my creative side my whole life, except for those little moments I could find those hour and a half, two hour uh, uh, sections of time in my life where I could watch a movie. I was there with the creatives and then I was there with the director, I was there with the producers, I was there with the actor, the script supervisor, you know, the, the, the acting coach. I was there with those guys. And we sat and we discussed those scenes and we discussed those movies, you know, and uh, now I can do that live with other creatives. I didn't know what that was about it. You know, I thought, nah, surely. I mean, I'm, I'm not one of those softy, whatever dramatic arts persons i'm a real rugged individual but i like art i like the creativity of it you know so i had to reconcile myself with that i was like all right can i be a this hard around the edges rough guy i've always been and still be a, a softy uh, uh in touch actor by god i guess i can you know absolutely you can yeah <laughs> took, took me when i was 48 years old you know before I could uh, reconcile with that, but I'm having a blast doing it, man. That's um, cool. Uh, so that that was it. I, I just I had great material to work with. I had great kids. My ex-wife, my last ex-wife, uh, that I had the two children with, Hunter and Sierra. The woman stepped up big time, and she made it. She <laughs> she has called me once. I'll tell you the story. She'd called me one time. And my son at this point, he's my youngest son. He's a big boy. He's 6'2", 200 plus pounds, and he's pretty solid. Um, he had just turned 16. And I had warned him, like, when he was 14. I was like, listen, I see something coming. So you find yourself in a situation where dad's got to confront you. I'm going to encourage you right now to back down when it happens, because I will not take it easy on you. I'm going to tell you right now, you're nothing to mess with, and I'm not anybody to mess with. I'm not going to take you down nice. So if we get to that point, please listen to me. Well, it came to that point one day, you know, where the boy challenges his dad. He wasn't so much challenging his father as he was challenging his mother and his sister. And this reflects kind of bad on him, but he, I think part of that's perspective, too, because he was young, he was attitudinal because he, his mom told him he couldn't mess with his um, iPad any longer. For He was grounded from his iPad because his grades were really bad. Oh, okay. Sure. Um, um, he copped an attitude with her and her and his sister. And they're not very big ladies. And he didn't like overtly threaten them, but it made his mom feel uncomfortable enough that she felt she needed to call me. And uh, so I, I called her back when I got the message and I said, is everything okay? She's like, well, I don't know what's going on with our son, but he's not acting like our son. <laughs> well, let me talk to him. And she's like, well, he, he won't get on the phone. He's scared to come on the phone. I says, well, go ahead and hold the phone up and I'll talk to him. And she held the phone up. I said, son, this is the deal. You can get on the phone now and talk to dad, like the adult that I, young adult that I'd like you to be acting as right now. 
or you can be a child and I'll treat you like a child. And when I get there without talking to you, I'll just lay into you. We'll take care of that up front and then we'll talk. So what do you, how do you want to do this? And he was like, well, okay. He comes to the phone and we talked. And ended up I'll not get on the phone now. Yeah. I ended up not having to come over. And his mom was going to then. He needed to understand that he's there to protect his mom and his sister. And he lost sight of that because I guess he was having issues with his girlfriend. And nobody really knew anything about it. So, there was a lot of stuff that came out. So I'm glad I didn't go in there, you know, a paddle a swinging or a belt a swinging. Whatever. Yeah. Well, teenage years are hard enough anyway. They're kind of a, a moving mark, uh, yeah. you know, for, for a young one, especially you know, there's and the, the thing that they don't understand and, and that you do as an adult have been trying to help them understand is that who they are and what they are is going to change so many times throughout those teenage years because of, of all those changes. And so, you know, he may not, like you said, I, you know, I, I think of times with my own boys where, uh, you know, I'd hear him say something to their mother. <laughs> I'm like, did you just, <laughs> you know, it was like, this is not going to go well for you. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it's hard enough to be a young person, especially these days. I think it's, there's, there's a whole list of different challenges than things I ever had to worry about, you know, and in the eighties and nineties and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So, but, you know, well, they're, they're teaching our kids to be afraid, and that bothers me greatly. Um, I listen to some of the stuff coming out of the kids out of their mouths about school and what they're teaching them. Um, I'm not happy. Um, they're teaching them to rely on somebody outside of themselves for uh, safety and comfort. And uh, uh, I don't want my kids to feel that way, to feel like they're that defeated or that they need granted we all need help from time to time which you should be able to pick that time and go get help and not be so desperate um i took my kids to lunch one friday <laughs> and this is rather uh, abrupt uh took my kids to lunch one one friday um they were in separate schools middle school so i went to their schools did the procedural protocol went to their classrooms, spoke to their teachers, shook their hands before I picked them up and asked them when they, when they would like, you know, that back for, you know, class continuity. And it wasn't disturbing anything. They gave me their input, took my two children to lunch, came to bring them back and took my oldest child to his school first and was walking down the hallway to take my youngest daughter to her school. She walked in with me. And I was met by the principal of my son's school. I saw her eyeballing me the whole way, like way down the hallway. She's a tall lady. She's as tall as me. Okay, I'm 6'1", 6'2". She was as tall as I was. I think she was wearing flats. <laughs> she's a big lady. And uh, uh, she just eyeballed me. She had the other principal look about her. Like if I were a kid, you know, I needed to feel like I was in trouble right then and there. I just walked up to her and said, ma'am, can I help you? And she's like, well, yes, you can. Who are you? Well, she's just starting to give me the third degree. And I'll let her finish her speech. I want to remind mind, mind, my daughter is standing right here. She's 11, 10, 11 at the time. And this is about the time uh, I think Sandy Hook happened, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah. About after that. And um, she uh, said, well, we don't allow parents this and allow parents that. And I'll let her finish. I said, well, while I can uh, uh, intellectually understand your viewpoint, I am going to have to reject 
and disrespect your viewpoint. Said your you have my child for seven hours a day. And during that seven hours, my child is focused on his or her education. And nothing should be detract from that. They should not be bothering anybody. They should not allow anybody to distract from them. Um, but as far as me having the right to walk my child to and from his or her class, well, I'm sorry to say that's not your call. My kid. And this little girl right here has half of my DNA and half of her mother's DNA in her. So any direction that you give her that countermands anything that I've ever taught her about survival, being on her own or whatever, she will definitely tell you to go take a leap if you countermand anything that I tell her. I said, I understand your, your need for well-being, but you're, you're not going to become a wedge between me and my child under the color of safety, which is... It's just fear. You got, you're not going to teach my child to be fearful. My child is going to live her life. She's going to be happy every day of her life. She's going to be confident. She's going to go on in her life, enjoying her life the way she wants to live without worrying about the dictates or tyrannical input from anybody such as yourself. I'm not harming anybody walking my child to class. She is not being harmed, nor is anybody else being harmed me walking my child to class. Yet you want to throw a stigma on my relationship with my child. Apparently, a relationship I don't have with any other child in here. You want to put a stigma on my relationship with everybody's child here, too. I'm not going to allow that. I said, I'm not going to stand here and allow my, my parental rights or my, my duty as a parent to be sloughed off onto you because you feel you want to take that mantle up. You can do it better than me. I guarantee you, you can't do it better than me. You don't have my child's DNA or interest at heart. You have a general blanket understanding of the children under your care. And by God, that's sufficient for me. Thank you for your time, miss. <laughs> this, is, this little girl is just fine. There so you go. In there. <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you this question. So one of the questions I like to ask every single guest that's ever been on my show, uh, and so I'll ask it of you as well. Looking back over your life's experiences, What's the single greatest lesson that you take with you on a day-to-day -day basis? Be kind. Always be kind. Um, uh, each greeting with a smile. Be kind to every human soul that you can. Because <clears throat> uh, you never know. You never know what you're doing for that person that day just by smiling at them. Just by offering a handshake. As a matter of fact, I've, I hug total strangers all the time. Total strangers. You know, I always I often ask myself, what am I going to do if, the, if I ever get big enough to have paparazzi around us? I don't know. But more than likely, I'll probably get my hug. You know, <laughs> just pretty disarming, you know, a person to hug. But uh, I just, I really am in this for humanity. I had an epiphany about acting and how I could uh, impact the world in a positive way. I want to tell stories and I want to raise the vibration of everybody I come in contact with. And I want to lower their vibration. I want to add to, I want to add riches to somebody's life. I don't want to take them. I like so it. If I can add riches to somebody's life, I want to do it by being kind. Okay. And one more follow-up question. In relation to that first question, what's the single greatest piece of advice that you have ever been given? Oh my gosh. Wow, I've had so much good advice. It's you're asking me to, to 
dig through silver to find platinum. I mean, <laughs> I've right. had so much. Well, share one of the pieces had of silver. So okay. I want to share a piece of platinum. I got to... Well, I don't know. I think I can attribute this to somebody in my past. Uh, um, but I think I've adopted it and, and let my own thinking take it over. Just that... Uh, I've survived everything thus far. There's no reason you can't survive this situation now. Seriously. It doesn't matter how dark or grim or terrible it is um, or how hopeless the situation may seem. You may be getting ready to get evicted that day and sheriffs are on their way. And, you know, they're right outside the door rolling up and they're getting ready to pull your stuff out and you out and just throw you out on the street. Man, you're still breathing. You've still got, you've still got an opportunity to make a positive change in somebody's life. So that being said, I think the greatest piece of advice I ever got was, uh, well, at the, in this moment, because there's lots I've gotten, is that it uh, doesn't matter how dark and dreary and, and how much bad, how badly you messed up, you have the opportunity to start over every second of every day. So taking that opportunity and making most of it every day and then recognizing those opportunities for what they are, I think that's the hard part. Uh, we get hard. We get down on ourselves when we screw up, especially when we let ourselves let our own expectations down. And we can't hold on to that stuff. We just got to keep rolling. Look at it, acknowledge it for what it is, stock it away, take your notes, apply it next time. But uh, yeah, just I guess never give up, never surrender, never say die. I can't. It's just I can't do it. That's good. I like that. All right. So, Will, tell the tell the folks who are listening, uh, what uh, where can they find a little bit more information about Will Wilson and the movies that he's been in and is going to be in, perhaps? Okay. Well, I have uh, an IMDb Pro page. Um, the page is Will with one L, Will Wilson. That's my, my name. And uh, I am currently in the middle of updating that page. I've got to add some credits. And... Um, some classes and whatnot to it but uh i have a several movies that are in post-production uh, i shouldn't say several a couple of movies in post-production one of them's all terrain the other one's little little cards principal actually little cards principal is still filming i believe uh, jake richardson's director of that and uh, he is uh joe mackey's one of the stars philip Paz is one of the stars um but he's been shooting that for like eight years now six eight years long time um, so that, I guess that'll hit post-production one day. He, Jake texted me a few months ago and said he has another scene for me. And I'm like, okay, well, whatever. I've got to shave this beard sometime. <laughs> but, uh, then, then there's, um, I was on an episode of The Price of Fame, the Eddie Murphy story, episode 309. I think it's season three, episode nine, playing Walter Hill. Uh, All Terrain, an action, sci-fi action adventure flick. Awesome. It's it's set for a Pacific Rim. It was set for a Pacific Rim release this fall, but COVID hit. So I think it backed everything up by at least 12 months, maybe even 18 more months. So I don't know when all train will be up, but it's, it's got a phenomenal okay. story and script to it. Um, also have uh, Out of Exile coming out. Out of Exile is going to have a premiere probably March, maybe. Uh, in Oklahoma, uh, soft opening, and then we're going to uh, 
get a full on premiere at some point in the fall, probably next year. Uh, Second Chances is shooting now. Um, it's a great story about a young lady that uh, discovers a letter. And uh, the letter was written by a lover that trying to explain her situation uh, as they were breaking up. And so this this character has a father who's very inspiring to her. He's, he's wise to her. He's kind. They're really good buds, more than father and daughter. And uh, he imparts some wisdom to her and keeps her inspired and, and going kind of like a hippie family, you know. And so she's going, she's trying to reunite these two to see if they can reconcile because of the content of this letter that the other person never got to see. So it's a really great premise for a story. Uh, I think it beats anything that Lifetime, not Lifetime Network has out there, but uh, it's got some great Oklahoma talent. Awesome. All right. Well, guys, there it is. Make sure you go swing over to the IMDb page, check out Will Wilson and some of his upcoming uh, works and well thank you so much for for being on today i really enjoyed uh well your frankness of conversation your openness it's uh you've been a joy to talk to well i really appreciate it Tim. i love the opportunity and uh i, I enjoyed uh i guess spilling my guts to you. <laughs> i had well, fun well we're glad to have to have had you and had a chance to spill with you so excellent all right guys thank you for listening so much to another edition of focused on forward well, that concludes another episode of Focused on Forward. To be a guest of Focused on Forward, you can reach us through Twitter at podcastfof, through our Facebook page named Focused on Forward, or through email focusedonforward at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing each and every one of your stories that has yet to be told. So until then, be safe, be kind, and be loving to one another as you stay focused on forward.